Welcome to Slay Church. We are so glad that you're tuning in today and pray that wherever you are, this message will bless you. If this impacts you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. Thank you very much. All right, why don't you uh, give someone a high five as you take a seat? Don't let anybody alone. Make sure everybody gets a high five. Tonight's a coffee night. I'm not going to drink water during my message. I'm going to drink coffee during my message. Anybody uh, Anybody feeling the same way tonight? Just need a little extra energy from uh, from coffee? Cool, cool. Listen, I know everybody's awake because I was here for worship, and uh, very clearly everybody is expectant of what God's going to do. And so I do expect, that's good, I do expect that the same atmosphere that was here during worship is going to remain here during the message because guess what? You didn't come to hear from me, you came here to hear from God. And uh, when you come here to hear from God, when you hear from God, there's a response to what you hear from God. There's always a response. Whenever God speaks in the Bible, there's always a response, if it's being received, right? And uh, often in the Old Testament, the response was people dying. Um, so hopefully none of that happens here tonight. But, uh, <laughs> but there's often a response, and uh, whether it's just critical, like, you know, I'd rather you be critical than just uh, falling asleep, you know what I'm saying? I'd rather you think about what you're hearing. Then, uh, then, but, but for a lot of us in the room, uh, we don't need to be critical because we've accepted this good news. And, and if you've accepted this good news, then a response for you looks a lot more like what was happening in worship. You know what, God, you're good. That was good. Thank you, God. And you're not saying that to encourage me as much as you're saying it at a response of what God's doing in your heart. And you know what? You might wake up somebody next to you that's been sleeping on what God's trying to speak to them. And so that's really exciting. But you know, I'm really encouraged by moments of worship like what we just had because in moments of worship like that, it reminds me that I need church as much as anybody else. Do you know what I mean by this? Uh, you know, in, uh, in ancient times, there were these, uh, these guys called shamans. Everybody say shaman. Shaman. And uh, uh, basically shamans, they're part of a whole bunch of different religions. It, it, they weren't unique to one religion in particular. But often what shamans would do is they would create almost like a drum circle and uh, I would go and show you my drum skills, but uh, I don't want to embarrass the drummer that was up here with my skills. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, if, if, if you know me, I cannot keep a beat. Um, but they would have a drum circle going on, and they would, they would do this for like hours. They would just keep beating the drums, and, and what it would do is it would put everybody into a meditative state, and they, it would bring them into this alternate reality. You know what I'm saying? And uh, when I first heard that, it kind of like bothered me a little bit because I thought of our own worship and I'm like, are we just putting ourselves in like a medita meditative state where, you know, we're just coming along and, and we just like get hyped up and we just get the tingles and you know, all the rest of that. But, you know, there's a key difference between hyping yourself up and coming into the presence of God. And the difference is this, is that uh, uh, usually time tells whether or not you're just hyping yourself up or you're in the presence of God. What I mean by this is often when they beat these drums, they would do it for hours and hours and hours on end because Often what you need to do to hype yourself up is beat yourself over the head for hours and hours and hours on end. But when you come into a space where everybody has the presence of God inside of them, it's amazing what happens in a moment. Music was playing before we started church here tonight. 
and yet we're all in the same room. We all have the Spirit of God inside of us, and yet we're all just chill. We're just like, oh, this is good music, and then, you know, the pre-roll goes up. Some of you don't even know that we have a pre-roll because you don't know how to show up to church on time. But listen, I'd rather you to show up to church than, than not show up at all. But uh, it was a great pre-roll, and, uh, and we're all kind of like, that's cool, that's cool. But it's amazing how the start of the, the worship, the, the worship just starts. The drums kick in immediately. The, 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 the electric guitar kick, kicks in. It all comes up at the same moment. And how many of us need like 10 minutes to get in? How many of us tonight just experience the presence of God falling in a, min, in, 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 a, in a moment? You see, this is the difference between hyping ourselves up and recognizing that once a bunch of believers get in the same room with the same spirit, that we don't need to hype ourselves up. All we have to do is make ourselves aware that God is already in the place, and already we can be, experience transformation from the start. And so I want to encourage you, as we open up God's word right now, let's allow ourselves to be open to everything that God wants to speak to us, because he's not done speaking tonight. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're going to find ourselves in John chapter 3. Turn to somebody and say, John's my favorite book. Even if it's not, just humor me. John is, uh, I, I mean, I, I love all the books of the Bible. I, I love the Gospels, obviously. I really, really love Matthew. And uh, Luke was uh, uh, remarking in the office this past week. He's like, there's a church. Uh, you realize they're going on a four-year journey in the book of Matthew. And, uh, and he's like, that's amazing. And I'm like, well, that's basically what I've been doing since I've been preaching. I've read Matthew so many times that I could probably recite it to you. So we're here in the book of John, and John's unique because it's not one of the synoptic gospels. Synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke share a lot of similarities in the way that they tell the story of Jesus, and that's why we call them the synoptic gospels. They're synonymous with one another. Uh, John stands outside of the synoptic gospels as, uh, as one that takes a, a more theological approach to, uh, to who Jesus is. So while it includes a lot of the same stories, absolutely, it preaches the same Jesus, it's not preaching something different, um, it takes a much more theological approach. And we're going to take a bit of a theological approach, but I'm still going to preach here tonight. Is that all right? Okay, so John chapter 3, verse 1, we're going to read about a guy named Nicodemus. Everybody say, Nicodemus. Hey, who has that as a future baby name for their child? Of course, in today's day and age, nobody will put up their hand because nobody wants to know what their baby's name is going to be in case someone steals it. You know, we have a connect group, and it's a married, uh, married slash uh, family connect group, and there's three families a part of it. We're, we're one of those families, and we host it at our house, or uh, we, we alternate houses anyway. Out of the three families, our youngest is called Claire. The other family, their youngest is called Claire. And the other family, their youngest is called Clara. And so, listen, you'll get over. If someone steals your baby name, you're okay. So Nicodemus, everybody's going to name their kids Nicodemus in the next season of Slate Church. And it says in verse 1, now, now, there was a man of, of the Pharisees. If you're unsure of Pharisees, we're going to get into this in a second. But they were a really religious sect. And uh, they really prided, them, uh, yeah, prided themselves on following all the laws that not only um, God had given them, but the laws that they had made up based on the laws that God had given them. You ever get around a person like this? They're just making up laws based on the laws that are there, and you're like, you're crazy. I'm never hanging out with you again. These are the Pharisees, and uh, they loved hanging out with each other because like attracts like. Um, but everybody was kind of annoyed by them by this point in, uh, in, in, in uh, uh, culture at that time. It says, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Everybody say Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Not Nicorette, Nicodemus. A member of the Jewish... <laughs> 
somebody said what on the front row, and I was like, yeah, that, there, nobody would mistake it for Nicorette. You're right. Uh, just me. Uh, drink some more coffee. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. That's key. Came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, obviously not uh, addressing him as a savior or messiah or, or king or these types, of, but Rabbi, uh, we know you are a great teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Everybody say, born again. How can a man, this is Nicodemus' response, how can a man be born again when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Now, nobody picture that. That's disgusting. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. And Jesus replies simply with this. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? All right, we're going to pray, and then we'll jump into it. Jesus, thank you for... uh, for who you are. And God, I thank you for what you want to speak to us tonight. God, I pray that it would come out clearly. I pray that you would be glorified. God, I pray that your word would be the one that's heard tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Okay. If you're taking notes tonight, I want to preach a message called Inside Job. Now, uh, I've been doing a lot of my messages, at least the notes that I bring up on the platform on paper. I may have preached another message called Inside Job in the last year, uh, but I couldn't find it. So if I did, uh, forgive me. I'll preach another message called Inside Job tonight, okay? This is an update on the last message. I've grown up a little bit. I'm a little bit more mature, I think. And uh, I want to preach on the idea of an inside job. You know, uh, anybody ever watched the movie Inside Job? Nobody. Not a single soul. I saw one person. Uh, okay, we got one over here. Thank you so much. Um, Inside Job is a great movie by, uh, with Denzel Washington, right? Is this the one that I'm thinking about? Yeah. Is it called something else? Inside Man, maybe? No, I think it's called Inside Job. Oh, I'm combi- combining Italian Job and Inside Man. Oh. Oh, okay. Um, well, this is awkward. Let's move on to the next part of my message. Um, we're going to call this message, Think Again. Um, <laughs> that's actually my first point, but we're not there yet, okay? Uh, inside man, or inside job, whatever it's called. Um, doesn't matter. I didn't build the message off the movie. <laughs> like, that's not how this works. No, not at all. Um, inside Man is a, a movie with Denzel Washington in it. And Denzel Washington's on the good side, you know. Uh, hard to be on the bad side. He's a good guy, and... And uh, he's, like, trying to figure out uh, this, uh, he's essentially trying to arrest a bunch of people that are breaking it, broken into a bank. They break into this bank, and uh, they bra- break in as contractors. So they all dress up in contracting, like, overalls and that sort of thing, right? And they break in, they're all wearing the same thing. They, they go into the bank, 
and uh, they hold everybody hostage. They take out all the cameras, and over the next little while, I can't remember how long uh, it was. I watched this a long, long time ago. And, uh, and, and during this time that they have everybody hostage, they just keep moving everybody around. So everybody's confused as to who everybody is. And they dress everybody up the exact same way that they're dressed up because they came in with contracting stuff, but really all it was was the stuff that I'm giving away the movie. But that's okay. It's too old. You should have watched it by now, okay? So they go in, and they're doing all this stuff, and, and uh, they dress all these people up, and, and basically they just delay the, 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 like, they're outside the building for, for what seems like days, and uh, they're trying to call them out, trying to negotiate with them, and they just take their time. And really, all they're doing inside is they're threatening people, and they're, they're mixing people up, and nobody really knows what's going on. Everybody's blindfolded until they're not, and they're like, everybody's confused. Well, all of a sudden, the hostage is done, and they let everybody out. So everybody's ex- expecting, okay, well, you know, the, the bank robbers are going to come out. We're going to arrest them. And so they open up the doors after they've negotiated, and everybody walks out. The only problem is, is that everybody walks out looking the exact same. So they all just walk out, and they're like, what the, what the heck? They don't know how many people were in there. They don't know who the robbers were. And everybody else walks out just looking the same. The movie goes on, and you're like, what the heck just happened? Why did I watch this, like, movie at Denzel Washington? And all, like, what, what is happening? But what we realize near the end of the movie is that a week later, all of a sudden, an inside man walks out of the bank, with all of the money that they had stolen from the bank. What had happened during that period is not only were they trying to confuse everybody so they didn't know who the robbers were and who had broken in and who was just a hostage and everything else, and they sent them all out looking the same, but what they did is in that time they built a fake wall in the bank, robbed the bank, hid behind the fake wall, and a week later, while everybody's just in the bank, somebody walks out and business closed like nothing happened right out onto the street. Genius. And that's what you get when you combine Italian job and inside man. (laughs) And I've always loved this idea of an inside man. I've always loved the idea of like hiding and nobody can catch you. And it's the best because when when you're a parent, you can like really, really, really get your kids on this. Because when they hide, they hide right out in the open. And you're just like, I can't see you, you know, but you can see them right away. But when you're hiding, you have the opportunity to be, like, fulfill all your childhood dreams in that you're never going to get caught. And I remember one time I was hiding underneath my daughter's bed after she counted to 10 or something else like that. And I just, like, crammed myself under her bed so close. I put so many things around me. And she's walking around the house. And I remember Emma being like, Brandon, you need to come out. Brandon, your daughter literally thinks you've gone missing. Brandon, like she's now getting freaked out. And, and the, the thing that's giving me even more joy is not only can Kenzie not find me, but my wife has no clue where I am. She's like, did he go to the gym? Did, like an inside man. I love, I love the idea of like an inside job and, and, and working them from the inside. You know, it's great because um, staying hidden is, is sometimes like a, like a feat of, I mean, it's, it's great for robbing a bank. It's great for fooling your toddler. But it's not a great way to live. See, we're going to talk about this idea of being born again tonight, because being born again is sometimes this language that we use, oh, you born again, you know, or at least it, we used to use that as a church, and sometimes we just kind of let this language kind of fall off to the wayside as if it was never, uh, never had any importance to begin with. But what we hear from Jesus and Nicodemus is that if Nicodemus wants to see the kingdom of God, and I don't know about you, but I want to see the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I want to see the kingdom of God spread all over Waterloo Region. 
I don't know about you, but as lead pastors, we've got a Vision Sunday coming up where we're going to explain to you that the, that the kingdom of God is going to continue to expand over Waterloo Region because of what God's placed on our hearts for the year 2020. I don't know about you, but I'm all about the kingdom of God. But in order to see the kingdom of God, this is the, this is the, the part that, that, that we've got to get, get right in our hearts and in our minds. In order to see the kingdom of God, we must be born again. You know, often people say, I, I don't know if I can believe but because I can't see. But the reality is, is that you can't see until you believe. Wow. See, if all we're trying to do is make our decision whether or not we're going to allow God, on, God in based on whether or not we can see God moving, we're going to be waiting for a long time. Because faith often become, comes before God moving in our lives. The things that God does in our lives will build our faith, but often faith comes before that moment. And so I want to talk about the idea of being born again because... When it comes to God doing an inside job inside of us, it's not right for us to hide what God has done inside of us. But we actually have to begin to live this out. And Jesus meets Nicodemus, and in verse 1 it says that Nicodemus, he was a, uh, uh, he was a Pharisee, a member of the Jew Jewish ruling council. But there's a detail that it gets to in verse 2 that becomes very um, clarifying as to where that's where Nicodemus really is at. It says he comes to Jesus at night and says, Rabbi. He came to him at night. This is really key. This is unanimously agreed upon in all the commentaries that I read. Is that Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night was a sign of his desire, and yet desire to see Jesus, and yet his desire to actually hide that he was coming to Jesus. It was a desire of Nicodemus to come and meet Jesus, but it was also a desire that Nicodemus' friends wouldn't find out that he had met with Jesus. Too bad for Nicodemus, he gets written right into the pages of Scripture, and now everybody knows. It's like he's the worst hide-and-seek player ever. But Jesus is about to do an inside job, even within Nicodemus, and I'm not going to get into what Nicodemus does throughout the rest of Scripture, but there's three other times, or two other times, rather, that John talks about Nicodemus, and it's clear that Nicodemus really starts to understand what Jesus is trying to teach Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee when he comes to Jesus. And Pharisees, as I said before, were these guys that were ultra-rule followers. Anybody in the room an ultra-rule follower? Anybody ever follow an ultra? Ben, yes, Ben, put your hand up. Ben, Ben's like this, like, it's a rule to put your hand up, Ben. <laughs> ben is definitely a, a rule. We had an argument this past week in the office about uh, whether or not something we should go by the spirit of the letter or the spirit of the, uh, uh, the what is the spirit or the letter of the law. And I'm just like, what are, what are we doing in the office? Like, this is so boring. But, but Ben is clear. It's spirit, the spirit of the law is the most important. Anyway, um, yes, Ben, you, you, you definitely are that, that type of person. Where am I? <laughs> no, I actually know where I am. It's okay. And as a Pharisee, he would make it his life's goal to actually... Uh, follow all of the things that not only God said, but the things that him and all of his friends, the Pharisaical sect, had set up for them to follow. All 600 and some odd laws. They, they, they wanted to follow them all. And yet Nicodemus is taking a very religious spirit, and he's coming to a very relational God. See, God doesn't hate religion. You need to know that what we're doing today is religion, okay? Okay. <laughs> 
Like when you came in here today and we sung songs and everything else, like, like it's still liturgical. Liturgical, lit- liturgy is the idea of having a set, uh, a set schedule, if you will, that leads us into greater and greater depths in understanding of who God is. And that, that's what's happened here today. We've all walked in in an orderly fashion. There was a pre-roll. There was worship. There was all these things. And religion is not the thing that is bad. But what's bad is when we re- remove the relationship with God in the midst of our religion. Because if it just remains religion, then all of a sudden what we're left with is a series of things that we need to do rather than a a, a being and a God that we actually get to know. See, true religion leads us closer to God, but it leads us closer to God through the passageway of relationship. And Nicodemus, as a very religious man, is about to meet a very relational God. And he's coming to the relational God as a very religious man in the cloak of night because he has a bit of a juxtaposition happening in his heart in this moment. Now, I don't know about you, but I have some favorite Christmas gifts that I received about a month ago now. Can you believe that Christmas is, is almost a month ago, like a month behind us? We're 11 months away from Christmas, <laughs> which means we can start playing Christmas music again. Come on. It's amazing. But I've been, uh, I, I know when I get a good Christmas gift when I'm thinking about it a lot. You know, what, you know what I'm saying? Anybody get some Christmas gifts you totally forgot about already? You're like, oh, yeah, my mom and dad did waste their money on that thing that they gave me. Um, it's great having places like Walmart where you can just return stuff with, it, with no questions asked. It's like, it's like, I'll just take that money and go get something that I really like, you know? Um, it's like, thanks, mom, for the hair product, but I don't use that hair product. <laughs> like, I used it when I was 15 years old, but great, you know? And uh, I always know when I get a good Christmas gift because I'm still thinking about it. This year, I'm really thinking about my marmot rain jacket that Emma bought me. I'm wearing it everywhere, you know. I'm also thinking about my Patagonia fleece that I got. Hello. It's amazing. Amazing. Actually, I got that after Christmas after Emma convinced me to throw all the sweaters that she didn't like in my closet. I called her Delilah for about three days. Somehow she swindled me into getting rid of the things that I valued most. But now I love Patagonia fleece. You know, my son Theo, he really, <laughs> he really loves this Christmas gift that he was given. And it's these magnetic uh, little blocks. They're kind of like in different shapes. And all you have to do, it's like Lego. You're building Lego, but it's all with uh, magnets. And so all he has to do, and there's those little pictures that you can put together. But he's got such an imagination. And he thinks that the, <laughs> he, he doesn't play with like, uh, like figurines or anything like that. And I don't know what this says about his character. Maybe he's going to become an engineer uh, because these little little squares that are magnets, he, he, he chooses one for each of his family members. And so he lines them all up. He's like, Daddy? You know, like, I'm like, dude, that's like really creative or like really rigid. I'm not sure what it is yet, but, you know, and he, feels, and, and he loves it because he just gets to build this stuff. And he goes into these, these uh, areas in your mind. You just see him. You're like, you're so creative. You're so imaginative. It's so amazing. But there's sometimes he just gets so frustrated. And you hear him like yelling in his bedroom. And you're like, what's happening? Like, is somebody stealing Theo? Is the, he's just screaming. You're like, you run in. You're like, what's wrong, Theo? And Theo's there playing with his little magnets. And he's upset because the magnets won't go together. And he's just trying to force them together. He's like, oh. And what he hasn't realized is that magnets work in different ways, right? Opposites attract when it comes to magnets. But when you flip that around, they actually become polar opposites, and they actually repel from one another. There's no amount of force that that can actually keep them together. 
See, Nicodemus, as a religious man, coming to a relational God, is experiencing something that a lot of us experience on a daily basis when it comes to our own faith. In fact, the Bible is kind of spelling it something that we all experience on a quite frequent basis that maybe we're unaware of. What we see in Nicodemus is that he's actually experiencing something that psychologists and therapists would call uh, cognitive dissonance. He's he's unsure of what to do because, because he wants this relationship with God, but he wants to hold on to who he is. And we know this because he didn't come to Jesus during the day. He wasn't yet ready to walk away from all of his friends and the Pharisaical sect and all the the, the opinions that people would have on him because he comes in the nighttime where he can come to this relational God and yet still keep a little bit of who he is. You see, when we come to Jesus and if we want to have a, a true inside job when it comes to God coming into our spirits and creating us in all that God really wants us to be, we need to realize that in order for that to happen, we need to start thinking again. We need to think again about what it means to come to God and what it means to leave our old selves behind. Because Nicodemus wants to bring all of his religiosity to a relational God and allow it to just meld the two things together. And how good are we at doing this in our 21st century today? Because we want to meld together the self-help books with the Bible. Well, I got one thing, and I I mean, it's it's, it's pretty good. I read it. Charles Duhigg said that if I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and, and then Jesus says, and and I talked to so many people where it's like, all we're doing is we're taking the ideas of the world today, and we're trying to meld them together with the ideas of God. And listen, it's not a bad thing to build on the wisdom of God with the wisdom that he's placed in men and women. That's not what I'm talking about. But when we put the things of man on the same level as the things of God, we will experience spiritual cognitive dissonance, spiritual dissonance, because we are both trying to appease man and appease God both at the same time. Nicodemus is doing something in the middle of the night because he doesn't want to let go of who he is, but he still wants to see transformation in who he's to, uh, who he's to become. How many of us find ourselves in the exact same position tonight? We want God to move in our lives. We want to experience the relational heart of God. We want to experience the fullness of who God is. But I want to maintain beating myself down to a pulp because I messed up. I want to maintain the the, the amount of shame and guilt that I need to feel for that thing that I did. Otherwise, God's not going to accept me. I want to maintain the fact that I've got to do what it takes to be accepted by God. Otherwise, he, you know, I'm not going to feel right about this thing. But here's the thing. These are man-made constructs about how we need to get ourselves right with God. But as soon as we come into a relational part with God, and as soon as we come into, in, into and, and bow ourselves before the Heavenly Father, before the message and the story of Jesus, once we come into that, all of that has to fade away. Because these are man-made constructs about how we receive and come into relationship with God. But God labeled it and spelled it out differently, didn't he? And thank God he did. Thank God that we don't have to go about as every other religion and try to do something to prove our worth before our God. But all we have to do is come and bow ourselves before him, surrender and humble ourselves before God, and he will accept us. This is the good news of Jesus Christ.
actually think that these first few verses in the story about Nicodemus coming into contact with Jesus is actually a much clearer picture than we even want to realize or even admit, as maybe many of us in this room actually calling on the name of Jesus. It's pretty accurate, isn't it? Because a lot of the times where we want to come to Jesus is when nobody else is watching. A lot of the times we want to call on the name of Jesus is when nobody else can see us. I want to fast, but I don't want to put it on my social media so people don't think that I'm weird. I, I, I want to do the right thing, but the only time that it seems like, like I, I can actually get there is when all of a sudden it's just me, myself, and I in a room all alone at night when I finally get to have some quiet in my soul where I can finally take some steps to, towards Jesus and start to figure out who he's all about, what he's all about, what he's come to do, who he's come to change me and transform me into being. And I don't think that there's anything particularly wrong with coming to Jesus in a quiet moment, away from the distractions of the world. Because sometimes it's needed in order to get to the next stage with Jesus where he can teach us a little bit more about who he is. See, an inside job starts with thinking different about who God is. It starts with realizing that this religious way of being is not what God has required of us, but he actually wants relationship with us. But it also requires us thinking differently about how we get our starts with God. So many of us want it to be the, the engagement type interaction with God. What I mean by that is we've turned everything into our lives into moments. Whether it's a wedding day where we try to pay for a wedding with money that we don't have. <laughs> to appease people that really don't care. <laughs> because they've been to so many weddings and they really aren't going to remember your wedding as special as it was. Nobody comes up to us today, you know, nearly eight years after being married and saying, wow, we just really enjoyed your wedding. You know, you guys look good. Good for you for picking out the suits that you did. We're so glad that you chose that church rather than the five other options that you had. And we can tell the intentionality you had in choosing that church. <laughs> Nobody comes up, but, but we create these moments ourselves. When it comes to engagements, I mean, this has become a thing all, of, all in and of its, of its own. If we don't have the proper engagement, it's like it doesn't, if it doesn't stack up to everything else that's out there online, then it's a failed engagement. You know what I'm saying? If we don't do the gender reveal the way that everybody else is doing the gender reveal, who's going to know the sex of our child? You know what I'm talking about? And so many of us want this kind of romantic idea of coming to Jesus, and we delay it. We want this romantic idea that I've got to be at Seven Shores with a latte and Instagram up on my phone. Otherwise, God's not going to meet with me. You know what I think God actually wants from us? To come to him whenever we've got available time where we can get away from our friends that have different ideas about who he is and just get alone with him where he can start to reveal who he is to us in an intimate way where we can start to begin to understand the inside job that he actually wants to accomplish within us and not just outside of us. The first step to making sure that God does more in us than we ever um, could ever dream or ever hope a hope for is actually by coming into relationship and just coming to God. 
So if we want an inside job, we've got to think again about how we come to God. Secondly, as Jesus said, and he continues to talk to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miracles, miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. I love this, and, uh, and yet there's so much that's sad about it because he's still referring to Jesus as rabbi and, and trying to make a connection that, that isn't there. It's sad, but we need to bring our mixed-up views about who God is to Jesus all the time because if we're not willing to bring our broken ideas of God to God, we'll take our broken ideas of God to other people all the time. And if we allow humanity to fill in the gaps of what we know about God, we won't come to the narrative that God actually wants to reveal to us about himself. So if we try to go to the world for answers as to why there's a gap in scriptures that we don't understand, or we try to go to the, we will find answers. But those answers might not always be in line with who God actually wants to reveal himself to us as. So I'm thankful, but it's also a little sad because he's going rabbi, and, and he's not able to put this all together that, that it's not a rabbi that's doing these miracles. It's actually the son of God. It's actually Jesus. It's actually God with flesh on. It's actually so much more than just a teacher. We can't just accept Jesus as a good teacher. We need to accept him as the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, Almighty God, Alpha and Omega. And yet, thank God, he actually has so much grace for us. Because in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. He's actually, he's actually responding to what he saw in Nicodemus. He's going, Nicodemus, you don't even know who I am. <laughs> Look, you, you don't even know who I am. And the only way you'll know who I am, the only way you'll understand me is something other than a rabbi. The only way, he says it this way, the only way you'll see the kingdom of God and me as the king and not just somebody that serves alongside you, that'll preach. <laughs> the only way you'll see me as a king of the kingdom of God and not just somebody who's going to serve alongside you. Not just somebody that's going to be a rabbi amongst all your other rabbis. Not just somebody who's going to have good teachings amongst all the other books that have good teachings. Not only, I, the only way that you're going to see me as the king of the kingdom of God is if you are born again. Now Nicodemus, I mean, he's, like, he's kind of enthralled. He's like, what? And he goes on to say, he says, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked, surely cannot enter a second time into his mother womb, mother's womb to be born. And it's amazing because, uh, because he, he reduces it to this level, but he really is asking a bigger question. And the truth is, is that when we talk about being born again, it's absolutely necessary. The only person that I've, I've actually ever seen that is willing to have a child right after they've had a, had a child already is my wife, Emma. I remember Emma, well, we've had three kids in three years. It's, it's, uh, Trying to beat records here, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I remember Emma had given birth to Theo, and as she's holding Theo, um, I think it was the second day in the hospital, so it was just one, we were only in there for like 24 hours, but it was overnight. On that second day, she looks over and she says, yeah, I don't think we're done yet. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you just went through what? And you're, you're saying you're not done yet? Like, I mean, just the idea, like, like Nicodemus is trying to distill it. Like, what do you mean? Like, a man can't be born again? Like, that's, that's impossible. And, of course, 
He's trying to get at there must be something deeper about this. And of course, there is something deeper about this. Because Jesus is saying, listen, so often our society tries to do that. We try to remake ourselves over and over again. We try to be reborn in so many different ways. We call it reinvention of the self. I'm just reinventing myself. I remember reinventing myself. Some of you may know um, my, my poop outfit story. <laughs> First time I ever met up with Emma uh, before we started dating, we had been messaging back and forth through Facebook on each other's walls. Remember Facebook walls when you posted for everybody else to see? What an embarrassment to us all. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and I remember we meet up and we were trying to like hide it from our parents and, and the only way we could was because uh, they weren't on Facebook. This was before Facebook was pretty much only for our grandparents. And uh, everybody moved to Instagram, and now Instagram has all the grandparents, and everybody's on TikTok. Uh, follow me on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a TikTok. <laughs> uh, you have a TikTok? No, I can't dance, so I'm not going to do it. But um, we're messaging back and forth. I remember showing up for the first time. I remember on the bus ride there asking my friend Jordan Jeans. Uh, should have called him JJ, uh, kind of weird name, but Jordan Jeans, and I remember asking him, because he knew more about Emma than I did, and I'm like, does she have, like, a weird voice, like, uh, and, she, and, and he's like, what the heck do you mean by that, I'm like, I've never talked to her, like, like, I've only, like, messaged her through, like, what does she sound like, and she, he's like, I don't think she has a weird voice, like, I was never annoyed talking to her, I was like, okay, First test passed, you know? Meanwhile, I am forgetting in my judgment of Emma, who I have not yet come into contact with, I am failing to realize what I am wearing. And I'm wearing top to bottom brown. I am wearing brown Adidas soccer shoes, suede at that. I'm wearing, you know, remember uh, when everybody shopped at Aeropostale for whatever reason? It's like they were just giving away clothes and everybody's like, I'll take them, you know? <laughs> and then we had for like that season, all Canadians dressed really poorly. And we, we were like, we had these, I had these like shorts and they were plaid and they were brown with different shades of brown coming down. I mean, I think every dude in this place had a pair of Aeropostale. Like, they were disgusting. <laughs> and by the way, the, the material was like, you may have well not been wearing anything at all. Like one wash and they were ruined. And then I was wearing this Aeropostale, like, long tee that had, like, the Aeropostale right across it because that was cool, too. And so here I am, brown, 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 and then a bright red Minnesota, Minnesota wild hat that was signed by somebody on their team. I'm like, who am I? There's a true sign that this was true love because otherwise there was nothing that was going to redeem that from there. But I remember showing up. I remember after meeting Emma and then meeting uh, Luke and uh, meeting all of Luke's friends, I'm like, these guys are way cooler than I am. Uh, Waterloo clearly has not been infiltrated by Aeropostale the way Coburg was. And uh, I want to dress like that. And I remember just reinventing myself, showing up, first kid in Coburg High School to wear skinny jeans. And I'm walking around, and people are like, literally, everybody's like, what the? <laughs> it's like the most scandalous thing. Like, I made it into the yearbook for this thing. Everybody's like, what is wrong with him my 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 v-neck which nobody was wearing v-necks like nobody was wearing little v-necks and I walked to school after reinventing myself with a v-neck that literally came down to here and showed off the fact that I had no chest hair and I walked around I thought it was so cool and I had to be confident because everybody around me was like literally staring me down my brother and sister still talk to me about that season where people would come up and ask annoying questions to them like is your brother okay you know and uh, and I was just like walking around like the coolest thing. I reinvent myself look at me reinventing myself 
Look at, look at it. Society, we're all reinventing ourselves. I'm going to reinvent myself in 2020. I, I'm going to be, look at the new me. You know, like the old me. I'm going to reinvent myself. And it's interesting because we struggle with the same thing that Nicodemus and all of his friends are struggling with, which is we want reformation on the inside while God wants us to reorganize what's going on on the inside. Listen, God doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't care if you're walking around with the tassel box. Nicodemus walking around with his little tassel box. He's like, oh, look at me. I got scriptures in my necklace. And Jesus is like, I don't care. What I care about is that my scriptures inside of you. What I care about is, am I inside of you? What I care about is, am I, am I able to transform what's happening inside of you? Because the external stuff, that's going to go, and you're going to have to reinvent yourself at least 10 times through this life to actually keep up with what's going on in this world that we live in. But Jesus is saying, listen, I want to do a reinvention of your soul. I want, to re- I, want to, I want you to be born again. I want your spirit to be renewed. I want something different to happen on the inside of you that nobody could do, and I'm the only one that could get credit for it. Nicodemus, you must be born. You must be born again. But the interesting thing is that in order to be born again and have a new birth, we actually need to die to our old selves. See, having a new birth inside of us actually requires us to die a certain kind of death. Paul puts it this way, um, I believe in the book of Corinthians, and he says, I die daily. People put great thought into what that means and studying it. Even myself, just reading different versions on what this means. And you know what they all distilled to? It's that Paul died daily. Let <laughs> me take a Nicodemus approach and we go, what? Like, did Jesus resurrect him from the dead every day? No, of course we know. Paul is getting at something so much deeper. He's saying, hey, in order for this this, this new birth, in order for me to be reborn, in order for me to maintain that every single day, I have to die to myself. Jesus said it this way, unless you are to pick up your cross and follow me. He's saying, listen, every day you have to sacrifice yourself and pick up my cross and surrender yourself to me in order to maintain what I'm trying to do inside of you. But the problem is, is when we want to hold on to two worlds so tightly and we We don't allow the old selves in us to die. We might have been reborn with Christ, but we need to die to ourselves daily if we're to see that actually take full effect in our lives. So many people want to die to self before coming to God. Well, I gotta beat myself up. I've gotta, I've gotta become somebody who I'm not. I've gotta look like the religious people down the street. I've gotta wear a suit and tie to church. I've gotta do all this stuff in order to be accepted by God. But here's the key in all of this: we can't die to self until we are reborn again in Christ. So what this means is that in order to die to self, Christ has already had to reborn us inside of us. We already have to have a new birth in our spirits inside of us before we start to die to ourselves. So when we ask the question, well, if we're we're reborn, then why do we have to die to ourselves? It's because the reborn part happens before the dying to self part. But the problem is, is that so many of us that have called on the name of Jesus, and maybe we're disappointed with the results of that. Why am I still anxious? Why am I still frustrated? Why am I still sinning? Why am I still giving in to all the, the carnal temptations? Why am I still going through all of this? And it's because Jesus is saying, listen, we got to be reborn again, but every single day we got to do as Paul said, and we got to die to ourselves daily in order to allow the new life of Christ to come outside of us. 
Come on, I want to see in my life Jesus being able to shine his greatest. But you know when Jesus isn't shining through me? It's when Brandon forgets to die daily. <laughs> you know when, when I, I, I'm, I'm tempted to get up and, and just go, you know what, it's not worth it. Like, why do I even preach in the first place? Like, I'm a fake. I'm a, oh my goodness, on oh, my past week I just, I got upset with my kids too much. I, I didn't clean the driveway in, in, in 24 hours and all my neighbors did it and I didn't do it. And look at me, I'm such a bad person. I want to give up on life. You know usually what I'm actually feeling? I'm usually, when I look back on that past week, I start to realize a pattern emerges. And it's that while I identify as a Christian, I haven't allowed Christ to well up within me, and I've just been focusing on myself all week. And now all of a sudden, Christ can't shine out of me because I'm blocking me. Nicodemus needs to make a choice in this moment. Am I going to be reborn again in the spirit, or am I going to keep living my pharisaical life so everybody can look, make it seem like I've got it every, everything together, and I've got all the things that everybody else wants, and I've read all the right books that everybody else wants to read, and I've gotten the relationship that everybody wants to be in, and I've got the kids that everybody wants to, and I've got that, and I've got that. Nicodemus got to make a choice. Are you going to start re, are you going to start allowing God to rebirth you in the inside? Or are you going to just maintain this idea of being reinvented on the outside? Jesus wants to do a much deeper thing inside of his church. He wants to do an inside job, and he wants to make sure that we are born again. Ron, are you with me? All right, I got to close this up real quick. So I'm going to give you my last point. In a minute, minute and a half, and then we're going to go to pray. We've got to think again. We've got to be born again. But ultimately, we've got to be filled again. We've got to think again. Think again about how we're approaching Jesus. We've got to be born again. Born again of Jesus. But then we've got to be filled again. Filled again with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to Nicodemus, he says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Later on, just to jump down so slightly, he says, so you can't, with the where, where the wind blows, you, you can't hear its sound, but, and you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit, because the spiritual thing is, is a little bit more unpredictable. And I love that, because life is becoming so predictable, isn't it? I had a great day in church, but I know Monday's going to be a struggle. Life is becoming so predictable, isn't it? Wow, God did some great stuff in my life at team night last Tuesday. But man, that's only going to last a week. I know it's, only, it's always only lasts a week. But the Spirit, it's got a different pattern, doesn't it? Because you could be on your way to work, and all of a sudden, God turns your car into Holy Spirit revival. Well, I didn't expect that. We, we don't know where the Spirit comes or where it goes. We don't, we don't know when the Spirit of God is going to well up inside of it. I love that. But we've got to be willing to be filled again. What I mean by this is a couple years ago, me and a guy named Christopher Roush, he comes to our 630 service, decided we were going to drive from Waterloo on our bicycles all the way to Ottawa, and we're going to do it in three days. And uh, I mean, we were fit, but we weren't ready. And we got on our bicycles, and we checked the weather, and we're like, oh, shoot, on the third day, it's actually going to rain, and it's going to storm, and it's going to be bad. And so we're like, okay, we got to do this in two days. Like, if you are, if already you're like, you guys are nuts. Yeah. No, let's do it in two days. So first day, we got on our bikes, and we drove all the way from Waterloo to my hometown, Coburg. My dad had a, a hotel booked for us. Thank you, Ted Richardson. I love you. And we're there, and 
The truth is, is that I had the worst case of heat stroke I've ever gotten in my entire life. And it's because the night before, the day before, I forgot to eat right up until like 8 p.m. I didn't drink water until I was going to bed and I was like, I haven't drinking water. And I quickly downed 500 milliliters of water. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. I didn't go to bed until 1 a.m. because I was still mapping at our rev that we're gonna go on the next day when I woke up at five to take this on. Not only to make matters worse, it was the hottest day of the year that day that we decided to bike all the way from Waterloo to Coburg, 250 kilometers, and there I am just, the truth is is that we didn't have the right fuel. <laughs> we weren't stopping on the way the day before I hadn't eaten right. We didn't have the right fuel to take us a distance. And I realized as my car sits at home with 10 kilometers on the little thing, you know, you play this game with yourself, how close can we get to zero? <laughs> These digital readers, it's like, you only have five kilometers to go. You're like, yeah, come on, five kilometers, here we go. Like, what's wrong with that? But we learn this when it comes to cars, that either we have to start filling or we're going to have to stop driving. I learned it with the bicycle. I've got to either start fueling or I'm going to have to stop cycling. For some reason, we, cheat, we treat the, the, the spiritual different than the, the physical. And we go, no, I can keep driving. I don't need to fuel up. No, I can keep driving. I don't need to fuel up. No, I, I got this one, God. Don't worry. You know, we met, a few we, we met a few months ago. That was a good time. I'm remembering that. Don't worry. I got this, God. And we just keep driving. And we keep driving. And the indicator on our, on our, on our thing is telling us, hey, you got, you, you're getting low on kilometers here. No, I got a little, I'll come to you again. I'll come to you again. But, uh, but I got a few more kilometers left in this tank. And, and all of a sudden, it goes down a lot, lot slower. Uh -huh. It's getting a lot lower than we thought it was going to. No, God, I, I still got this. And meanwhile, God is saying, if you just fueled up, if you just filled up on me, if you just were filled with my spirit again, if you're just willing to meet with me again, if you're willing to just stay at full rather than running out empty, I've got so much in store for you. I've got such a journey I want to bring you on. I want to take you to distances that you didn't think you could go, but you're relying on yourself rather than relying on me. Come on, we got to fill up with the spirit day after day. You, there's nothing wrong with you. The problem is, is that we are the problem, all of us. Not you, but just humanity. And God is saying, hey, the antidote to your problem is me. Just come to me day after day. Pick up your cross daily. Think again. Be born again. Be filled up again. And when you fill up again, I'll do an inside job that will leave everybody wondering, how did they become that? How are they doing that? How are they filled with so much joy? How are they able to go through that trial with so much hope and, and perseverance and belief that God could come around any turn and just sweep them off their feet? How? 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 And the only way that we get to point to is Jesus has done it again. Jesus has filled me daily. Day after day, Jesus came to my aid when nobody else would. That was an inside job. Come on, can we stand to our feet? Thank you for watching. Again, if you were impacted by this message in any way, send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. You can also visit slatechurch.com and fill out one of our online connect cards. We would love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. As well, you can stay connected with us by following us at Slate Church on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.